Best Book Bits podcast brings you Trevor Lynch, author of the book, Yes, You Freaking Can, Be Better Than You Thought Possible When You Most Need It. Trevor, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Michael. Great to join you here. No problem. Now, um, for my audience uh, who don't know uh, much about yourself, uh, where's the accent from and, and whereabouts are you living at the moment? <laughs> Good question. Um, so I'm actually Irish. I moved to France in 2001, so it's about 20 years ago. So the accent is mixed, I would say. I live near the Swiss border, so my office is in Basel in Switzerland, so it's mixed. Um, yeah, well, I'm not sure if you placed my accent, but there you go. I still kept a, yeah, put- a trace of the Irish brogue, I would say. Now, tell me um, you, your book, Yes, You Freaking Can. You've got a copy of it there if you want to hold it up. Uh, tell us a little sure. bit about what, what the book's about and uh, what, what made you write it. Um, so the book is about how to be better than you thought possible when you most need to be. So it can be for anything, all right? It can be for a job interview, maybe an important presentation, um, sports competition, can even be a first date, you know, something that's, important for you and the fact that it's important for you and you kind of feel that the stakes are high maybe it's out of your comfort zone then stress kicks in knocks you out of your zone you don't show up at your best and then afterwards you're like really i could i could have done better or i should have done better so that's one part of the book the second angle is on um when you go through a difficult challenge in life, okay, and you need to stand back up and keep advancing, um, you know, build your resilience, figure out what to do in the eye of the storm, and actually even come through it stronger. So again, it's it's a it's a moment where you need to be at your best, but for a different reason. So it's covering those two angles if you want, but a few extra bits thrown in. Um, yeah, now part? I want to jump. <laughs> yeah, no, that that I, that kicks it off. Now I've read the book; it's a fantastic book from audience. Uh, check it out. Um, uh, you can Google it. Uh, yes, you freaking can. But we'll go into the book and we'll ask some questions and unpack that as well. But uh, jumping straight into it, you you talk about being in Las Vegas. Take us back to that moment and what happened looking outside your hotel window in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so I was. In Las Vegas with my two daughters, Alexia and Mallory, um, they're eight, they're, they were 18, I think, and 21 at the time. Um, we were sitting in the Bellagio Hotel. I don't know if you know it. It has a view out onto these magnificent fountains that are dancing to the music outside. So we had just toured around Los Angeles, stayed in a friend's place with our family. Really nice vacation. Um, and I had an interview the next day on the outside, everything was great. I was there with my daughters, beautiful part of the world. Um, and on the inside, hmm, there was turmoil. If you want, I had a, a relationship that went on for a few years that had just ended. My job had disappeared basically. It was due to restructuring. Um, and on top of that, I had just signed papers to sell my house um, and figuring out, okay, how can I stay close to my daughters 
and not have to move away again. Um, and how can I be at my best going into this job interview where I had this like turmoil going on inside? Um, and at that time, I really wanted this job. It was in the same same city. It was in, it was in Basel, same organization even. Um, and I was trying to figure out, you know, my daughters didn't realize it, but in my mind, there was like this storm going on where I had a really hard time focusing. And I was trying to figure out, okay, so how can I show up on my best for this interview tomorrow? Um, and I guess the stress of it all set me back so much that I wasn't even thinking about what do I normally do? So when I woke up that morning, got up really early, um, I thought, you know what? Why did you not think of this before? Do the mental prep that you always do for something that's, you know, um, an important event coming up. So I took some time, did some visualization exercises. I can talk to you uh, later on about those. Um, I did what I call a rep. So it's a rapid, effective preparation, very quick technique for getting yourself in the zone very, very quickly. Um, did some exercise as well to get my stress levels down to keep the base stress levels down. Um, I went off and did the interview. Now, I didn't get the job, <laughs> which was fine, actually, as it turned out. Um, and at the same time, I was really happy with how, I, how my performance went at the interview, if you like. Um, got some really nice feedback. You know, the rest was out of my control. Somebody who had more direct um, experience in that domain was taken for the role. I actually know who she is, which made it easier. Um, so it was one of those moments where starting from a really tough position and feeling inside, like being very um, unstable inside, if you want, um, because of what, what was going on. And then using certain techniques to actually just get into the zone, go forward. And it's almost like, to be quite honest, it's almost like being in the interview and one part of your brain stands back. It feels like this conscious part of my brain is standing back saying, how the hell are you doing this? You know, um, you're just completely destabilized after everything that was happening at the time. And how are you doing this? And it's basically like the subconscious acting on autopilot, just carrying me through it. So that's what those, some of those exercises do is it's programming somehow your subconscious or your autopilot. So it will bring you through it. Um, and even if conscious on a conscious level, you're feeling distress, the autopilot is bringing you through. Um, I had um, another interesting example of something recently where I needed as well to step up if you want <laughs> end of last year i was hospitalized for three weeks with covid um and something you don't know about me is that me and needles or blood tests especially we don't get on right we don't get on at all so i also had like 25 30 needles stuck into me between you know um uh, anti-clotting injections into the stomach every day blood tests the drip needles etc Anyways, we've been transferred from one hospital to, yep. other, to another. And um, two days before the doctor was talking to me, 
the nurse came over to give me my daily injection into the stomach. Um, and the doctor was like, look, she'll come back tomorrow and she'll show you how to do it. I'm like, show me how to do what? <laughs> yeah, she'll show you how to give herself an injection into the stomach. Um, and I thought, look, mm -mm. you don't know me, right? We, I really do not um, like needles. I don't even look. I turn my head or might put some music on at the same time. Um, I said, look, I'll get a nurse and she'll come over every day. So long story short, that nurse came back the next day. She was showing me what to do. Fine. I said, look, I'll just get a house nurse. She can come and see me. And um, the, the last day, it was the last day before um, they were letting me go. Nurse came back one last time. I said, look, I really need you to know. I really need to be sure that you know how to do this, right? But before she came in, I was sitting in the hospital bed and I was saying to myself, really? You just wrote a book called Yes, You Freaking Can and you can't give yourself an injection into the belly? Really? So I sat there, did some breath work, um, did some, my usual visualization and to make it more real, I took a pen from the locker, pretended that was the injection and was like doing this in my stomach, right? Sounds completely ridiculous if you're okay with needles. But the nurse came in to show me one last time. And I, and I said, look, just give me the needle. I do it myself. Not believing those words would ever come out of my mouth, right? So I took the needle, gave myself the injection, gave her back the needle and went, yes. And she's looking at me like, what's up? And I said, look, for a lot of people, for most people, that's not a big deal. For me, it was a big challenge. Um, and I'm saying that because it's something I had not, it's a context that I had not used visualization in previously. Um, so even for me, it was like new territory, new ground, if you want. Um, and the same as, same as always, you know, in most circumstances, most of the time I find it works. It's not a magic formula. It doesn't necessarily work 100% but it does help you up your game um, and be better than you thought you could be, or maybe be better than what you, what you were in the past, as an example. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for, uh, for unpacking that as well. And thank you for your story. Some of the notes I had first uh, that you had, so basically you had a, you had an inner storm, but you had an outer calm and how you yeah, get, true. how you stayed in that was mental prep, state change and visualization um, which is basically controlling your performance. So I think what you tapped into was, hang on a second, I'm off balance right now. How do I get back into balance? And these techniques are used to get into balance is what we call performance control and which led you into other things as well. So I want to go into some of the questions I've got for you and, and talk to me about how you can um, better, how you can be better than you thought possible when you most need to be. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Um, I think we go into a lot of events a lot with some negative self-talk. Um, and first, especially if it's an event that's outside of your comfort zone. So for me, the first thing, if it's something really important, um, is to get your base stress level down. Um, and what works really well for that is the morning of the event, you know, work out, do some yoga, go to the gym, go for a run, 
do something that will physically, you know, burn off some stress hormones, have your base stress level starting point for your event be lower than what it normally would be. That's kind of the first thing. Um, the second thing I would do is a five to 10 minute visualization. Just see yourself at the event. It's going the way you want it to go. You can't control other factors, how other people are going to behave, but you can at least put in those positive images, positive movie, if you want, into your mind and seeing it go the way you want it to go. And it's almost like a dream where your brain is not sure did that really happen or not. And if your brain believes you've already done it that way, then that helps bring your stress levels down. And there's more of a chance of you performing that way because you're almost giving it a target, um, a target behavior to lock onto. And the chance of you then showing up in the same way are much higher. Um, another thing, depending on the event, is you can use some positive affirmations as well. Just to drown out, um, just to drown out some of the negative noise in your mind, you know, saying you you can't do this or you're not good enough for that or um, whatever negative story you're telling yourself. So tell yourself something positive, like you know, um, I really enjoy first dates. If it's your first date, you know, I'm really relaxed and really comfortable. Whereas your brain may be saying, oh. You're going to be tense. You're going to mess it up. You know, you won't be able to be yourself because you'll be too stressed, etc. Um, So giving your brain something positive to listen to, that can help. And then just before the event, doing what I call rep that I mentioned earlier on, which is just an easy way of remembering rapid, effective preparation. Um, and I think in the book I mentioned getting in the zone in less than two minutes. Okay, so it's really giving, telling your brain right now how you want to show up. Um, so as an example, you figure out what's the outcome you're looking for from this event, right? Okay, that's, that's your target. And then the next question is, okay, how do I need to be in order to maximize the chances of achieving that outcome? Um, and then one by one, I usually have three or four. Then one by one, and I literally do this one, two, three, for example. Um, you tell yourself that not that, for example, you will be this way. You will be relaxed. You will be confident. You will listen to understand. Um, you know, you will think before you speak or whatever it is. If you're telling yourself you will, that's in the future. For your brain, that's not so important. What's important for your brain is right now, what's going on right now. So it's about telling yourself, I am, so I, I listen to understand. I don't know, I take my time before I speak and, and whatever is for you, I smile, whatever. Um, and maybe the last point on that is, it's not a case of just saying the words, okay? Because our brain works more with images than with words, especially the subconscious. So. Each time, instead of saying, okay, I smile, I do this, see yourself be that way each time, just for a second. You know, I listen to understand. If I say I listen to understand, 
I often do with my eyes closed. <laughs> um, and I'm seeing myself, preferably in a similar context, but it doesn't have to be. I see myself in a situation where I'm being a really great listener, right? So my brain is locking onto that, um, that way of being. Um, and then next one, next one. And then you go. So it's like, okay, I'm this, 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 done, out. And off you go. Um, and it's amazing how it can help you to show up that way. Okay, so these are, these are some techniques that you can use to actually show up, like I said, either better than you have in the past or better than you thought you're possible of being or possible of doing. Okay, like the example with the injection I gave you a while ago. Okay, I never thought I would be capable of doing this. Sounds ridiculous, but it was like a phobia for me. Um, and the only way I could do it is to get my mind into that zone, um, have my brain relax and almost enjoy the experience. Um, whereas previously, there's not a hope. I don't even think I could have held a needle in my hand. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Some of the notes, some of the notes I took and yeah, thank you for the story. A lot of people are afraid of needles and um, just phobias of those too, but those small things to overcome. So some of the notes I got from what you were saying that the brain doesn't respond to words. It uses images, which, which is obviously great because it's not in the future. It's, it's, it's no wheel. It's, it's right now. So we have to start affirming things. I like how you said the things that we can control and the things that are free as well, you can control your visualization. So you can control what you think about. You can control your breath. Okay. So going into breath work, which is free. I think this is going to be a new phenomenon. A lot of people are picking up. I've got a lot of friends that are into the, the breath work and not just the Wim Hof stuff, but you know, getting in control of your breath, um, which is great, which controls stress. And then affirmations, what do you tell yourself to? I think that's super important as well. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff you've, you've, you've said so far. And then the, the whole rep thing, so rapid, effective preparation, getting into state. And then one of the things that really encapsulates it for me was stop taking a chance on what your state is going to be and start controlling what your state is going to be. They say if you own the mornings, you own the day. Well, really, if you can control your state and not leave it to chance, meaning put the alarm clock on instead of waking up at a random time, you know, prepare your meals instead of eating what's, what's just in the fridge, meaning like, you know, start controlling how you think, how you feel, which you control the day too. Um, but look, the other question I want to go through, you know, life has a habit of throwing challenges our way and, you know, it tests us, you know, our resilience, especially the last couple of years with COVID and our ability to bounce back strong after being knocked down. How can someone build in a strength and be positive when they don't foresee a positive future? A few things. Something I call finding a diamond in the mud um, is one. That means you have a storm going on around you. You know, somehow you're sitting in the mud or kneeling in the mud and you're just rain is pouring down on you. Um, it's even hard to lift your head up because you just don't feel the strength to do it. 
if you look for it, you can often, most often, let's say, I avoid saying always, but most often, find something sparkling in the mud right in front of your eyes, even if not lifting your head up, right? Um, and that can be anything. That's why I call it diamond in the mud. Um, you have to look for it. So it's really finding something beautiful in the middle of the storm. Um, and that can be anything. It can be a smile from your child, you know? Um, it can be, I don't know, somebody lets you cross the road or kind enough to stop and let you cross the road. Um, might be a kind word from a friend. It's something that's positive. I'm just being grateful for small, for small moments. Um, so it's, I find it's one of the quickest ways of flipping your mindset is just finding that, finding those diamonds in the mud. Okay. Um, and that can give you the strength if you want to get back up on your feet and to keep advancing. Often, you know, you, I've heard it that look, if you're really, really in that storm, it may be hard to find out, okay, well, I don't see anything that's going right. Okay, fine. I got it. Now tell me one thing. In the same city as you, there's somebody in a worse, lot worse place than where you are. Okay. Um, maybe they're homeless, for example. How about asking yourself, if you were them, what would you be grateful for about your life right now? So seeing it from that other perspective, you know, and there's always, there's always somebody worse off than what you are. When I was in the hospital with COVID, I was sharing a room with a gentleman, gentleman, um, I didn't know it initially because I was in a pretty bad, pretty bad state um, physically. But as my condition improved, I learned that he was homeless, firstly. And secondly, he had no legs from the knees down. And he was sitting there, or he was lying there, sorry, he was lying there, um, being so accepting of his situation, being so calm. He wasn't demanding of the nurses or anything. And I could only look and admire and kind of, take an example from how he was. So, so, and then that got me out of as well, any moment where I started feeling sorry for myself being in that situation, I had something to look forward to when I got out of there. He didn't have very much to look forward to, All right? So, you know, seeing it from another person's perspective can be one way. Um, so to answer your question again in another way, Flip it. So me asking myself in the hospital, why did this happen to me? Okay, I was, in, I was healthy, I was in good shape. Usually don't get the flu or a cold, but I was hit bad in my lungs by COVID. And asking myself that question was a very disempowering question. Like, why me? Um, so it's flipping it around somehow now, it may take some time, it may take a few minutes, hours, it might take a night of watching Netflix with a, with, a, with a few glasses of wine, and then next day flipping it, but asking yourself a better question, you know? Um, how can I use this time 
in the best way possible? Or what can I learn from it? Or what's positive about this? Um, and when I was asking myself those kinds of questions, it got my mind to be to focus on more empowering answers. So what's positive about it? For example, one, one, one thing for me was, um, it got me to calm down, it got me to become more grateful, um, more accepting of things outside of my control or whatever. Um, and I helped to flip my mindset into a better place. So instead of asking myself this question where I started to feel sorry for myself and, and the situation I was in, it just got almost got rid of that negative thought pattern and put me into a better place. So there are two things very quickly, Michael. Um, you know, find a diamond in the mud and flip it to a better question. Another question can be, for example, you know, um, if this happened to my best friend, what would I advise them? What kind of questions would I ask them? Because we often give our friends really great advice or ask them questions that are very powerful. And when it comes to ourselves, we're much more critical and <laughs> we're not so nice, not so nice or kind to ourselves. Um, so flipping it that way, saying, okay, if that was my best, best buddy, best friend, what would I ask them? What would I tell them? What would I advise them? And then take the same answers, take those same responses and apply them to yourself. That's another way of flipping it around. Yeah, some of the some of the notes I got from that was uh, seeking beauty in in the everyday life and just the small things. And I think it it encapsulates to controlling your attention. Controlling your attention is okay. What can I focus on? And what you focus on grows. So yeah, thank you for exactly. explaining that. And I think again, that's that's something free. Everyone can do it. Everyone can wake up every day. And if you go through the day and if you try to find you know one or two small beautiful things. Uh, in, in the day, you are going to find it because you are seeking for it. But we spend so much time in our heads and thinking about the, you know, the treadmill we're on in the loops that we run. We never step outside of those loops in our head and think about the beautiful things uh, in life. Speaking of beautiful things, uh, in in the book, you talk about uh, how do you enjoy more romantic encounters? Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, romantic encounters? <laughs> yeah, again. Um... It's something that, you know, not everybody is comfortable with. Um, first date, first night together. Um, maybe it's more of a guy thing than a, than a girl thing, possibly. Um, you know, I've had people come to me with that when they open up and say, well, you know, first date nerves. Um, physically, we're driven from here. And if here we're really stressed for, for whatever reason, things don't always go as well as what, as what we hoped, let's say. Um, so in the same way um, that you can use visualization for, you know, um, pre-sport competition, um, before a job interview, you can also use it for romantic encounters, for example, um, to get yourself in a state where you're firstly you're relaxed, um, you're fine being yourself. And even seeing the moment go 
the way you want it to go. Um, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, Michael, right? But, you know, there are some times you're with your date or your girlfriend or whatever it is, um, and you just, you're not in that space, right? You're not in like a sexual mood if you want. And how do you flip it, okay? Um, and come out of that stress mode and have the evening go the way you want it to go. You know, literally take five minutes on your way home, pull your car over someplace, could be, in your, be I don't know, um, you may be picking up a bottle of wine on the way home or something like this or sit in the car park. Sit there and close your eyes and literally see the evening go exactly how you want it to go. And when I say evening, I'm really focusing on the intimate part of the evening, let's say. And again, it's the same thing. It's kind of going into your subconscious. And even if you think, you know what, no, I'm just not in the mood, for example, um, it will help you flip it um, and at least have you come very close to the kind of movie that you had in your mind. Of course, being respectful of whoever you're with, of course. Um, so again, you can use it for, for any occasion, including this, you know, and um, yes. Not sure yeah. what your reaction to that is, but no, 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 um, no. It totally, it totally makes sense, and I think we all need to sort of flip the switch sometimes. If, especially in romantic encounters, we have to sort of get in the mood, and it's another way of controlling uh, that as well. Uh, but yeah, going forward, uh, talk to me a little bit about what the what is the three letter word that can change what you believe you're capable of. That three letter word, what is it? <laughs> so it's not yes, yes is a really good word. It's a very powerful three letter word as well. So this is another, this is the other word starting with why and it's yet. Um, so tell me something, for example, that you cannot do. You like to do it, but you cannot do it. Um, sleep more. Sleep more. Yeah. Okay. So if you tell yourself in your mind right now, you know, that you cannot sleep. Give me what's, what's more. It's like six hours, seven hours. Oh, probably eight hours. Yeah. Just to get another hour in, I guess. Average okay. seven at the moment. All right. So let's, let's, let's say eight hours, right? So you cannot sleep eight hours, right? Okay. Now, if you tell yourself this, feel how it feels inside for a moment. Okay. Now, all I want you to do is add on that word yet. I cannot sleep eight hours yet, or I cannot yet sleep eight hours. Now, feel, say that to yourself. Feel how that feels inside and tell me what difference does that evoke in you? Yeah, I understand what you're doing. You're changing the yet from yes, and it's changing how I feel and think. Is that correct? It's how how I describe it is, um, so let's say somebody who says, look, you know, I have two left feet, I can't dance. 
doors closed. Okay. I've done this with, with, with people in different situations. And now just by adding that, that one word, I can't dance well yet. Yet. Yeah. It, it gives this ray of hope, this ray of light. And I kind of describe it as well as if you say you, can, you can't dance well, the door is closed. Right? I can't, if you say you can't dance well yet, it feels like not the door is not open, but it's open enough. It's like enough to get your foot in the door if you want, right? So it's not completely closed. There's still a possibility of you swinging it open. Now we just have to find how. Whereas, you know, when you tell yourself you cannot dance well, full stop, that door is shut. Okay. Um, so that's, that's really it. It's again, it feels lighter and it just opens up the possibility in your brain saying, yeah, I can't do it yet. Mm. Yet. All I have to do is find the right strategy and I'll get there. Whereas before, if you thought it wasn't possible, you're not going to look for the strategy because you didn't think it was possible. Make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I thought you said yes, so that's why I was a little bit confused. But yeah, oh, no, that's really yeah. No apologies. That's that's where no I was worries. a bit confused. But yeah, yet it's it's what it means is future. So yet means possibility of the future because we know I'm not rich enough yet. I'm not in shape enough yet. I don't have a loving partner yet. I don't have the job I want yet. And we can we can give a a hundred different scenarios of yet. But if we reverse engineer what was in the past, where you are now was your past yet, which is the future now. So, I, yeah, that, that just gives space of that there is space, one. there is, yeah, there is space, there is time because we're all growing. I mean, we're, we're a human being and we're being into growth, uh, however you want to cut that up. So, yeah. You know what that reminds me of? It's like, you know, what, what have you achieved in your life that at one point in time, you thought that wasn't possible for you. That's right. But you yeah. did it or you became it, right? But at one point in time, you still had that belief it wasn't possible. So if you and became things that you didn't think was possible at one point in time, what do you think right now is not possible for you that you would like to do or become? And what, what's the message you get from your past? If you did something up until now that you thought at one point wasn't possible, why can you not do in you know in the near future something that you think right now isn't possible? You just have to figure out how to release that part of you, how to release that potential and get over here. Because as you said, we're continuously growing, right? We can grow in a way that's more accelerated, or we can grow in a way that's, you know, pretty walking pace let's say yeah that's right you should have changed the book title from yes you freaking can to yet yes you freaking can no but that's well, good um I, I, tell me <laughs> I'm sorry, tell us I a little almost, bit about yeah sorry go on go ahead no, no i go almost ahead. called it something different um initially when having had experienced all of those techniques myself and, and figure out you know what they're capable of, of achieving and coached people through it. My initial title was this shit works, but I thought, mm, no, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> so I just, I, I changed the name, but you know, it really does. M most of the techniques and there, you know, I've tested, tried and tested on myself, experimented with them, broke them down, 
give it as a how-to as opposed to just what to do um, yeah. and experimented with them with others as well. So, yeah. yeah, perfect. So I think you answered the question of how did you uh, decide it was the right time to write the book, but what, what is your biggest wish, uh, biggest wish uh, with the book? The biggest the book is that it, it, it'll help as many people as possible become better than what they believed possible when they most need it. Um, that's really it. You know, I, I spoke to you about the COVID example. Yeah. That was touch and go for about a week um, in hospital. I had another accident, life-threatening accident in 2019. And after that accident in 2019, and I realized, look, I'm still here. Um, and I just was convinced that I'm still here for a reason. And one of the reasons I'm still here is to help people somehow. And my deduction was by putting this on paper and bringing through, bringing um, people on teams through live workshops doing the same thing. It's helping them some in some way just release that potential when they most want to for something that's really key for them, that's really important for them. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's part of, I believe, my life's purpose going forward. Well, tell us tell us a story about uh, your near-death experience in the hotel where you woke up in the middle of the night and thought you were thirsty and had a, had a drink of water from a bottle, but it was not water and in that bottle it was poison. Tell us, uh, tell us what happened, how it unfolded. Yeah, sure. Um, it was 2019. That was the accident in question. I already had just come off my bike a few days beforehand, so I had both arms in the cast, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. Or not. Don't ride your bike on the tram tracks. Don't don't ride your bike on the tram tracks. Is that correct? Don't ride your bike on the tram tracks. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. The wheel drops down in between the tram tracks and you do Superman over the handlebars. Um, So we canceled our vacation to the coast because obviously you couldn't get near water with those arm casts. Um, And you're right. It was in Paris at four o'clock in the morning. The cleaning lady had put a cleaning fluid um into a new avian water bottle left it on the locker by the bed four o'clock in the morning i was thirsty drank from it realized it wasn't water panic stations <laughs> um also if you ever do that by accident do not drink water on top of it because it's it's it can be dangerous um and i really did not know if that was the end um long story short I spent 10 hours in accident and emergency in um, Paris Hospital at four o'clock on the Saturday morning. Um, had internal burns for about four weeks. Was really lucky it didn't burn through the esophagus, otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you today. And what I did realize at that point was what's important in life. Um, and where my brain went at that moment, I remember I was standing by the standing just inside um, the door of the hotel room. My girlfriend at the time was on the hotline to the anti-poison, um, there's an anti-poison hotline, explaining what happened and they were trying to figure out what the product was. And in my brain, I was just thinking about my daughter saying, you know, um, 
did I spend enough memorable moments with them? For example, let them have real nice memories. Um, did I give them the right, let's say right if you want in inverted commas, messages about life, about what's important, about what I found was very useful for me to get through certain things or to be better than what, than what I was. Um, and that's why in part, at least, in large part, why I went back to write the book right afterwards. But it did teach me one thing, that at least in my case, when your day comes, I wasn't thinking about, you know, did I spend enough hours in the office? Um, did I buy that Audi, whatever that I wanted to buy? None of that was important. What was important was kind of the legacy, if you want, that I was leaving behind. And um, for people that mattered most for me in my life. And um, that was a big lesson. That was a big lesson going forward around how to spend uh, my time. Um, and what's, yeah, what's most important. Yeah, I think those life-changing moments, they come out of nowhere and then you really reflect on what is important and and that changes the focus on after that event transpired. And obviously you're here now and you survive that that near-death experience that it realigns what our top values are in life and what is most important and what maybe is, is not so important as well. And I've got two kids myself. I've got a, a son and a daughter myself, so I can only imagine that that would be the thoughts running through my mind uh, in those experiences as well. Uh, so sure. thank you for sharing that and uh, unpacking too. And I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to jump into one question I've got for you. So in chapter 15, I read on making a difference, you suggest be the one. What do you, what do you mean by that? Be the one. I grew up in, in Ireland, like I said, very conservative um, at the time. Nobody would speak about their emotions, especially not guys. Um, and I remember at the time I used to go to mass and confession in Catholic church. Um, and I remember in the confession box one day, the, the priest asked me, you know, um, did you, do you love your parents? I said, yes. I said, I thought it was a strange question, firstly. And he said, did you ever, you know, go home, throw your arms around your mom and tell her you loved her? I'm like, are you crazy? I was maybe 15, 16 at the time. Um, and like I said, at that time, you know, people didn't express their, their emotions that way. So he asked me to do it and he planted a seed. Um, long story short, it took me a couple of weeks. <laughs> I finally did it. It was playing in my mind. Um, nobody up until then, nobody in our family, apart from my parents to each other, um, told anybody else in the family that they love them, right? Now I'm the eldest of our four siblings. And um, so I did it. I remember my mom, she was in the kitchen at the time and she was pleasantly surprised. Surprised, yes, but I think in, in a positive way. And she told me that she loved me back. Um, and that started something in the family and it's been going on for years. We, we talk about company cultures, organization cultures take a long time to change. 
And I found, you know, family cultures can as well. You know, it's, I think it was maybe one or two years ago when I won't say who, who it concerned in the family, but two members of my family, they were the last that didn't tell each other that they loved each other, for example. And they did. So it took all of that time. It took like more than 20 years for everybody to have enough courage and vulnerability to open up to the others, right? Um, and when I say be the one, I mean, life is very short, especially in these moments where, you know, we just, we just, we're coming out the back end of COVID. Now Putin is maybe starting a war, who knows? We just don't know what's going to happen, right? Um, and when it's too late, it's too late. Like I said, I've experienced it twice. Our parents get older, people pass on, etc. And I find it really a pity where you can be at a funeral. And what happens at a funeral? People are saying really beautiful things about the person who just passed away. Uh, that's generally what people are, are, are talking about, which is really nice. It's really great, but it's too late. The words are gone in the wind. They're, they're, they're gone with the wind. So it's really about, um, so being the one is about having the courage and, the vul- and being okay with being vulnerable with it and um, telling somebody, not just that you love them, that was the example I gave, go deeper with it. Because I love you actually can become a habit. It's nice to hear it, but have you ever wondered what somebody loves you about you? And they're probably wondering the same thing, you know? What do you love? What do you love about them? So bring it to the next level and telling them, you know, what do you love about them, what do you like about them, what do you appreciate about them, um, and giving them that gift of having that beautiful moment and beautiful memory in whatever way you want. It can be in writing if you prefer, or you know, face to face or over telephone. Um, I remember doing that for a friend going back a couple of years ago. It was a, a, a friend since, um, I don't know, maybe 30 years or so. And after we had a conversation, um, it was on the phone. And he said, listen, could you send me that in writing? I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to remember what you said and keep it as a souvenir. <laughs> so it's really, that's really what it's about. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, just be the one. Make the change. Go deeper. Tell people how you really feel about how, how, how you find them, all the things you like about them. Um, and the impact they've had on you or the impact you, you see that they've had on other people. Now, it may be tempting to tell them something that really bothers you as well, right? But it's not the moment for it. It's not the moment to go into that space. It's just really creating a beautiful moment. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And uh, what I got from Be The One is not just from courage and vulnerability, but vulnerability is saying something and not knowing what the result is going to be, putting yourself out there in the unknown, because we all strive for the known. So we don't spend a lot of time in that unknown and telling someone you love them and then pausing and waiting for their reaction. I mean, that that's vulnerability. And yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Where can people find the book? Uh, we're running out of time. So for them to read it, I've read the book. It's a fantastic book. Where can people uh, best find it? Is on Amazon or do you want people to go to your website to buy it? Trevor, what's the best, uh, what's the best place? Amazon as well. Um... I would send them to trevorlynch.net. So T-R-E-V-O-R-L-Y-N-C-H.net. 
Um, and you'll find my details there. You'll find some details about the book there. Um, and I'd love to hear from you or find me on what's social the, media. What's the best, the what, what's the social media platform that uh, you're on the most? Is it Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube? To be honest, it's more, the... it's more LinkedIn. It's more LinkedIn. LinkedIn. But if you're, okay. for anybody who's not on LinkedIn, you can, you could find me on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. I think it's Trevor Lynch author, but the, you'll find the links on the site, trevorlynch.net. They're all there. Done. And hold the book up again. I'll just give a quick read. So yes, you freaking can. Uh, what's the color of the cover? Let's have a look. Yeah, nice. Beautiful. So uh, yeah, tomorrow, if you like this conversation and want to learn more, uh, follow Trevor on LinkedIn, check out his book. Yes, you freaking can. Drop him a message. Come say hello. He's a human. He's real, uh, as we all are. So uh, thank you for sharing these wonderful messages and hope you enjoy the rest of your day, Trevor. And thanks for being a great guest on the Best Book Bits podcast. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. My thanks, my God. I hope so. All right. Bye-bye. No problem at all.